Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture. I'm Imad Akhtar. Southeast Asia consumer confidence is on track for a rebound as value seekers are embracing new needs. Those are the findings from a recent report conducted by Meta, Bain and Company, and DSG Consumer Partners on consumer growth trends in the region. To learn more about some of the key takeaways from this report, I'm joined now by Zara Lightowler, associate partner at Bain and Company. Zara, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's great to be here. Great to have you on board. Now, one of the key findings that stuck out for me was this idea of the emergence of a new hierarchy of needs versus wants. And that's as consumers reprioritize their spending habits, perhaps due to a number of factors, COVID-19, technology trends, rising interest rates, perhaps. Which wants, I'm curious to know, are becoming needs and how does that differ across lower, mid and high income brackets of consumers? Sure. So it's great to be here and talk about the sixth version of this report that we've done with Meta and also DSG. And and just for context, the report was done with over 9,000 consumers, Mm. 50 CXOs across the region. So in terms of of wants and needs, what we're seeing is a shift in income brackets broadly of consumers in both emerging markets and developed markets. Mm. And this is being driven by populations growing, urbanizing, becoming more skilled. And so what this means is many of the basic needs for things like toothpaste, education, energy, they're still non-negotiable. But some categories such as beauty, alcohol, a domestic holiday once a year, internet, streaming, social, are being seen as new needs. Interestingly, the higher the income bracket, the longer the list of what we think are needs. Beyond this, many things are still out of reach for the masses. So branded handbags, international holidays, private education. But that middle group is where the shift is really happening. Okay. Now, let's talk about another interesting finding from the report. It noted that Southeast Asia's working population is set to increase by about 24 million by 2030. And you've highlighted two consumer segments in particular that are driving this growth, Gen Zs and single households. Let's focus on them one at a time. Gen Zs, due to their size and growing spending power, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. So starting with Gen Z, this group is actually around 11 to 27 years old today. Mm. But as we look forward to 2030, they'll all be adults, so over 18 years old. In Southeast Asia, this group is actually close to 25% of the population. And this is important because in many other regions, such as the U.S., it's significantly lower. So the U.S., this group's at about 20%. Japan, it's about 15%. So this group is big, but also increasingly the spending power is going up for all the reasons you just mentioned. And so what we think is really important is how do you attract this group? There is a lot of discussion about this group being different. So digital first, moving jobs frequently, very short attention spans. But what we found in the report is that there are actually many similarities with older groups. So the level of online purchase, the time online. And so our view is that they're bringing the older generation on this shift with them and actually changing everyone's consumption patterns. You also identified what's called the solo economy as an important cohort (laughs) for businesses to engage in order to succeed. Could you delve a little bit more into what this entails? So the solo economy or solo households have actually tripled in this region from around 4% in 1980 to 12% today. In addition to solo households, 
small households, so two to three people, actually make up close to 38% of households in Southeast Asia. So when you take that 12% and 38%, we're looking at around half of households in Southeast Asia now being three people or less. Singapore and Thailand are leading this, so Thai solo households are nearly actually at 30% which is in line with the US and the head of China. And Singapore is not that far behind. The drivers here are really around more young professionals delaying marriage and kids for careers, longer life expectancy and higher divorce, and ongoing levels of migrant workers. And what we've seen in other markets where this has happened is consumption shifts. So that might be products which are really made for one person, such as meals, solo entertainment, think karaoke or or bars or meals or or restaurants, uh, a rise in categories like pets, as people want companionship, and even smaller households and associated categories like furniture. Your report has also identified a certain type of business model called insurgent disruptors. Now, this may not be a term that many people have heard of, but its impact is massive. Apparently, they are now responsible for over 50 billion US dollars of revenue in Southeast Asia alone. Could you explain what insurgent disruptors are exactly and why they're responsible for such a huge chunk of revenue? context here, most countries globally are seeing increasing disruption in some sort of form in in their categories. And in the way that we're defining this, it's new brands entering the market in the last 10 years and ramping up very fast. So by very fast, we mean typically around five times the category growth. In Southeast Asia, we see three main archetypes which are driving this, and they have different models. The first type is the high-end, often digital startups, So think, you know, vitamin companies who are sending you personalized vitamins through the post. And they really spike on innovative products, sustainability, and they may offer this personalized B2C model. The second group is really low-cost champions. These brands are often being driven by local incumbent organizations who are entering new categories. So what they're doing is driving category accessibility through affordable me-too products. So we've seen this in many categories, diapers, juice, but even to some extent in airlines. And they're often accepting lower margins than the category norm. And then the third group is really offering localized products. So recognizing that in Southeast Asia, there are gaps in terms of the offering, for example, in Islamic care and beauty. They're offering tailored products for these needs at mass price point, often in offline distribution. And so these are the three main here. We're seeing a little bit of noise also from retail copycats. You know, players like Sociolo or Makuku, Beauty Hall, who are using their retail platforms to drive their own products. And also what we would call shapeshifters, who are fundamentally redefining the category. So think about alternative milks, ebooks, electronic cigarettes. And the last point here, if we think about why in Southeast Asia, not only are we seeing this in many regions globally, we've got to remember that in Southeast Asia, over 40% of consumers regularly switch brands. Mm. And online is having a very strong influence as well, where consumers are able to discover new brands. All right, you touched on the point I was about to bring up next, and that is the digital behavior of consumers across generations. We'd be remiss to have this conversation without that discussion. What does that say about the usage of AI, perhaps, across the different subsets of the population? moving forward? Sure. So consumers in Southeast Asia are highly digital, as as you just mentioned. And part of this is aided also by the structurally young population. We talked about Gen Z earlier. Consumers are definitely engaging with AI in this region. But I think it's important to recognize it's not just a consumer pull element. It's also due to the shifts we're seeing in the technology. So a much more user-friendly interface through generative AI. And that's really been the big unlock. We see a lot of applications that make Southeast Asia really ripe for this. 
So if you think about the number of languages and cultures that we have in this region, generative AI actually has this fantastic opportunity to personalize content um, and deliver marketing across those different languages and cultures, as well as doing things like offering flexible risk assessments for financial institutions. So there's a very strong use case across this, and, and it's definitely ramping up. All right. We've been in conversation with Zara Lightowler, an associate partner at Bain & Company, about consumer growth trends in Southeast Asia and the rising importance of Gen Z and the solo economy. Zara, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. You're very welcome. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.